Glory to God. Well, praise God. We're glad you're here. And uh, I'm glad to see my buddy, Brother Phil, here today. This was a picture of him taken a few years ago, wasn't it, Phil? Yeah, right on. <laughs> Brother Phil's been into gymnastics. He's got a school here for over 20 years. And, uh, you know, the thing about gymnastics is that, how many of you know, you just can't do that in a week or two? Huh, Brother Phil? It takes years to build up that type of resistance. And, you know, growing up, I was raised, you know, when I was growing up, you could only catch two channels where we lived. And uh, when the Olympics were on, how many of you know you watched the Olympics? And I remember Mark Spitz, swimming gold champion. I uh, remember Bruce Jenner, uh, Dorothy Hamill, Walter Conkright. <laughs> he didn't win no gold, but he was, he was talking. And uh, Walter Conkright and uh, uh, Howard Carcel. This is Howard Carcel. Anyway, I can't do it. Anyway, remember them old days? And it was when America used to get a lot of gold medals too. But the resistance these guides build, build up. And it's just not, it just doesn't happen in a month or two. These kids start at five and six years old. Training, focusing, eating right, dreaming, working on their heart, working on their body, getting prepared to resist. A lot of times, you know, we are tempted and we have been tempted and we will be tempted. And temptation is a test. And many times our resistance is low. Sometimes it's easier to resist than others. Sometimes it's just we think a little bit won't hurt. But, you know, it's like temptation calls out to you like one of the worst things in my life. It's a great thing, but when Sister Loretta makes us a pie, and I, Luella take, makes us a pie, and, and I take a piece, you know, before going to bed, and at 2 o'clock in the morning, there's this voice that starts shouting from the icebox. And at 2 o'clock in the morning, you need some more cream pie. You need some more cream pie. And you go, get behind me, Satan. From behind, you need more cream pie. And it's those little things, and it adds up. Those voices that torment you. And then it's when you're really, you wake, and it's really, that's when you find out how strong your resistance is. And I want you to see in the Word of God here in James, chapter 4, verse 7 through 10, it says, so humble yourselves before God. And right there, I just saw one of the greatest things about humility. And it says it twice in this scripture. Just go ahead and say it. If you want to humble yourself, just go ahead and say, God, you're right. I humble myself right now. I just say, Father, you're right about this. I'm wrong. It is wrong. It is sin. I am carrying this grudge. I am doing this. I humble myself before you. You're right. And it goes on to say, resist the devil. And he will flee from you. How many are thankful the devil can flee from you? Amen. But you don't know how long you're going to have to resist. These guys hanging like that, they, 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 they just seems like forever you're having to just stay focused and all that. And we expect, well, I resisted the devil one time. He didn't leave, so I went ahead and gave in. No, you resist him. Come close to God. You see, the devil, he's going to resist you. He doesn't want you getting close to God. And God will come close to you. Wash your hand, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. There's that, there's that uh, coming against you. Let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Here it is again. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And He will lift you up in honor. 
The devil doesn't want you getting close to God. He doesn't want you being lifted in a place of honor. He doesn't want you living a life of peace. He doesn't want you living a life of victory. The devil does not want you growing in faith. He doesn't want you growing in understanding. The devil does not, surely doesn't want us growing in purity. That's why it says purify your hands. The devil doesn't want us growing close to God. He doesn't want you gaining the victory over those things that's been coming against you. And look, it goes on to say, here's 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 89. It says, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, my adversary, my enemy, my sworn enemy, the devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And here's his word again. Resist him. Say it with me. Resist him. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Be sober. Be vigilant. In other words, the Bible says God's raised up ministries in the church to equip you. We have to be equipped to resist. We have to be equipped with understanding to understand that we have an enemy, enemy that he's out to kill, steal, and destroy. And that we have to understand that when we're going through things, that we're going to have to resist and we're going to have to, be, have to be ready to fight him and put the armor of God and resist. But he will, just because we cry out to God doesn't mean he's not going to, he's not going to stop coming after you. I want you to write this down. I want you to think about this. I want to give you some thoughts for your mind. Because we're all going to face temptations. How many of you have overcome all the temptations and you don't have any more? Anybody? Okay, so I'm in good company. Everybody's alive, nobody's dead. Because we're going to be tempted the rest of our life. So I believe this is something we've studied other tests. You're going to see after today, I believe that this is one of the strongest tests we have to prepare for. And I want you to see it. I want you to write this down. There is more at stake when we are tempted than what we think or what we see. I want you to think about that. There is more at stake when I'm being tempted, there's more at stake here than I can see. You know, when I, I was in third grade, um, I don't know about in y'all's day, some of y'all's day, I know it was, when I used to get D's and F's on my test, I'd get a whipping. How many of y'all used to get a whipping when you make a bad grade? Well, anyway, I was coming home, and mom was always 15 minutes coming back from work, and so I thought, you know what, I'm going to, it was in third grade, I'm going to sign my daddy's name to this F paper. And I didn't quite know how to spell Calvin. I didn't know whether it started with a K or a C. But I remembered, I, but I remembered that the bills are on top of the refrigerator. So I got home, took the bills down, saw how to write my daddy's name and signed it. And I got away with that for about three times. I got away without getting a whipping for about three times. But then one day my teacher, Miss Juanita, hmm, called me up to the desk. And she said, Russ, did you sign this paper? Yes, ma'am. She says, well, I'm going to have to write a note to your parents. You need to bring this paper back to your parents, have them re-sign it, and they're going to have to read this note. Well, I got away from getting a whipping, but how many know I got a whooping? <laughs> I, got, <laughs> I got a whooping. And it's because I didn't see the whole stage of things that would happen if I would do this. There's more at stake when we are tempted than we think. We think it might be something little, but it grows into something bigger. It's like the other night, and I was thinking about Adam and Eve, and I felt the Holy Spirit just spoke this to me. You know, uh, I felt I needed to look this up, so I looked it up. I wanted to see how many varieties of fruit there is in the world. Do you know I looked up varieties of fruit on the second Wikipedia? And do you know that I found 32 pages, double column of fruit? 32 pages, double column of fruit. Over 2,000 varieties uh, of, of fruit. You know, Honduras has over five different types of bananas. I mean, there's fruit that tastes even... There's a banana that even tastes just like an apple. I mean, there's all type of fruits. And it made me start thinking. 
Adam and Eve was walking in the garden with over 2,000 varieties of fruit. Looked even better than the one they couldn't take. Tasted better than the one they couldn't touch. But there was something inside of them that they weren't happy with the 1,999 fruit trees. There was something shiny about that apple that they just had to take it. And they took that apple and instead of staying with the 1,999 fruit they were given, they took that apple. The Bible says their eyes were open and they saw that there was more to giving in to the temptation than they knew before they did it. They took the bait and it was more than you think. The whole picture comes alive. It's kind of like when our wives baits a hook for us men. Everything's going great, been going great for days and weeks and all of a sudden here's the bait. Honey, do I look fat? Well, you know, after 30 years of marriage, you just don't answer that wrongly because there's a pillow and a blanket and a couch and a dog waiting to push over for you. And so why do you say, oh, no, baby, you look better than you've ever looked before. Oh, baby, you look great. I love lips, hips, and fingertips. I mean, you're looking awesome. Because guess what? If you answer wrong, you don't see the whole play out of what's going to happen if you answer the question wrongly. You may say, yeah, or maybe a little bit. Wrong answer, dude. Wrong answer. And we, so, we don't see everything that when we're, we're, we're uh, going through all these things and these process. It's kind of like when you're going fishing. I went fishing with a brother a while back, and uh, we caught a bunch of brim, and we had the crickets, you know. And the thing about it is, is that I was thinking the other day about those little fish. You know, here's a little fish, got up in the morning, he's doing all great, he's happy, he's swimming around and everything. And you, you put that worm on the hook. That fish, that fish is just swimming around, all of a sudden he sees, he sees that worm on that hook and he doesn't see the whole picture of everything. All he sees is that hook with a worm on the end and he's thinking, oh, there's a worm, there's a worm, there's a worm, there's a worm. The poor little fish, he can't see that it's going to hurt when he bites. He's going to be pulled out of the water and suffocate to death. He's going to flap till he dies. He doesn't see that you're going to get the scales off of him. You're going to gut him. You're going to batter him in flour. And then you're going to fry him. And then after you eat him, only his skeleton is going to be left. And that's going to be thrown to the cat. But when he saw that worm, he didn't see a skeleton. He saw the worm. But because he took the bait, it cost him, and then his eyes was opened. It was too late. And so I want you to see, and I want you to write this down. I want you to think about this. When I'm tempted, write this down, my future is at stake. When I'm tempted, just use this as brain food. When I'm tempted, my future is at stake. Everything I've worked for, everything I've dreamed for, everything that I've, I've sacrificed for, when I'm, when I'm being tempted, my future is at risk. And I want you to write this down. When I'm tempted... My family and my friends are at stake. It's, it's not only myself that's tempted. I want you to see this little picture right here. This is me. And I don't mean nothing by this, but to make the scenario, this is my wife. And these are my two boys. 
and in the family. If I take the bait, my whole family gets hooked on what I get hooked with. They all will be hooked on what I get hooked with because they love me and they're following me. And if daddy messes up, the house is messed up. I bring myself down. I bring my future down. I bring my marriage down. I bring my ministry down. I bring my kids down. And I may never ever recuperate again because something was shiny and something was looking good and I didn't resist it and I didn't think of the whole scenario playing out once I took the bait. If I get hooked on a little something, my family gets a little hooked on something. I may think, well, you know what? I can handle gambling. And you start gambling a little bit and you get addicted. And then it starts taking away the paycheck. Family starts suffering. And before you know it, you've lost your money, you lost your honor, and you've lost your job, and you've lost your marriage, and you lost your home. Because the devil's going about as a roaring lion seeking who he can take down. And listen, the devil just doesn't want to take down one. He just doesn't want to take me down. He'd rather wait till the church gets big. He'd rather wait till the church has a good testimony. He'd wait for his time and then he says, okay, now's the time because now I'm not only going to take the pastor down, but I'm going to hurt the church. I'm not only going to take the pastor and his family down. I'm going to take the whole church and the whole community and all the countries he's worked in and all the states he's preached in. I'm going to let them all know that this man was a failure. He's a real enemy. And the Bible says, be equipped. Don't try to ignore him. Be equipped. One of the things I was talking to my wife about it was that we lived 18 years and we've been to 12 different third world countries. And the reason they're third world is because of idolatry and paganism. America is the most blessed nation in the world because we're centered on the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. But when you go to nations that are rooted in, in, in all kind of different histories like Mayan and, and, uh, and um, uh, different nationalities and the Incas and everything and they're still doing all that type of stuff, the darkness and the poverty is so strong there because the, blessed is that nation's who God is the Lord. But if God's not your Lord, then it's cursed. And the more and more this nation is turning more third world because it's turning away from God. Taking the different baits. Trying to be more like other nations, like Israel. We want to be like other nations. We want a king. And Samuel said, aren't you happy with God being your king? No, we want to be like Europe. We want to be like the liberals. We want to be an independent from God. We want that bait. We want what's shiny. We want what looks good. We don't want to be a nation that deprives itself of stuff. We want to have it all. And so we turn more and more in third world countries. But what happens in third world countries is that they paint their faces and they wear masks. Not just because they don't want other people to recognize who they are. They think that they're invisible even to the devil. And they'll tell you that. Why do you paint yourself up and wear a mask? Because we think the devil can't see it. We believe the devil can't see us. Well, listen, sweetheart, the devil sees you with or without a mask. God sees us with or without a mask. 
And I need to take the mask off and see myself for who I really am because who I really am is what God sees, but it's also what my adversary, the devil, sees also. And there's denominations that say, you know, you don't need to talk too much about the devil. Let's don't talk too much about the devil. That depresses me. Don't talk too much about the devil. That scares me. And then they'll tell you, you know what, preacher? You don't need to talk too much about the devil because you'll make him mad and he'll come around. Well, let me tell you something. The devil's already around. And I'll show you that in the Word of God today. The devil's already around and he is seeking who he may devour, kill, steal, and destroy. He's a real enemy. And that's why the Bible talks to us about fighting him. And, and, and resisting the devil. He'll have to flee from us. It says in 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, once again, be sober, be alert, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's full of hate and misery. Now look at this. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 and verse 13. Put on the whole armor of God. How many of you studied the word of God there in Ephesians about the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, shoes with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, and, and, and praying always and all supplication and prayers. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able. Shout out, I'm able. I'm able. By my God, I'm able. Come on, let the devil hear it like you mean it. By my God, I am able. Yeah, there you go. To stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore take upon you the whole armor of God that you may be able, shout out, I am able, to withstand in the evil day, resist, having done all to stand, stand. Now I want you to look at that one word there I have underlined six times. The word against. The Holy Spirit doesn't have a memory loss to where he's just repeating himself. Whenever something in the scripture is repeated, and this is theology here, when something's repeated, it's a doctrine. Like for example, Ephesians chapter 1, it says we are in Christ six times just in chapter 1. So us being in Christ is a revelation that is a doctrine of the word of God. In John chapter 14, 15, and 16, it's a message Jesus gave in the upper room after he had washed their feet and he was having communion with them. He spoke of the Holy Spirit being the comforter time and time again. In all three chapters, he was making it a revelation, but also it's a doctrine. When something's repeated, he's saying it over and over again for us to understand. It's kind of like when you go in the court, they say three times, hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. But the Apostle Paul said six times, we are against the enemy. So I want you to see what this word against. One definition of against that we know means to be against, to push against. But this is not the Greek word here. If you're taking notes, the Greek word for against is the word pros, P-R-O-S in the Greek. And it speaks of an intimate position. It's the raw and the real. It's a personal fight. It's kind of like a few weeks ago when they burnt the Quran, the Taliban, the Muslims, they took it seriously, didn't they? Well, when you got born again, the devil took it more seriously than they did about their so-called book being burnt. When you received Jesus, you stomped and you spat in Satan's and the devils of hell's face. He wants to see you wiped out and destroyed. He wants to take others down with you. And Paul is really emphasizing here the word against. It is an in-your-face battle. And I want to show you something where this word is used. This word pros or against or with in your face is used in John chapter 1 verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. That word with is the word pros. 
You could say Ephesians 6, some translations will even say, our battle's not against uh, flesh and blood, but it's with principalities, with powers, with rulers of darkness. It can be used in the Greek either, in English in either way, because it's the Greek word pros, and it means in your face. And that word, the word was with God, meant that Jesus and the Father had a face-to-face relationship, and they were so close. Now listen, get a revelation of this. They were so close that you can feel each other's breath on each other's face as you're breathing. That's the relationship Jesus had with the Father. But it also is the word Paul uses of the face-to-face contact the enemy has with us. Six times he's saying the enemy's in your face. And he's not, he's not loving you as the father does. He hates you as himself Satan does. He's given a revelation here that we are wrestling, that we're, we're in this battle. And that we have to be careful in this battle. And it talks about us uh, having our, to wrestle here with the enemy, a type of conflict. And he uses military words here. He says, our battle is with, it's a face-to-face battle with principalities. And the word principality there is a military word. All these words are military words that Paul is speaking with. And a principality speaks of a general who has held his rank for a very long time. Powers is a type of a colonel with instructions to kill. He has, a, he has authority given from the commanders and Satan himself to steal, kill, and destroy. Rulers means something that is put into order. It is a focused attack. The word rulers, this is interesting. The word rulers is the word cosmos. It means to put into order. But it means to put into order against you. There's something very interesting here, ladies. The word cosmetics comes from this word cosmos. And it means to put your face in order. I'm telling you the truth. It means to put your face in order. So that's what it is. A little, a little sideline there, okay? Anyway, thank God for order. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, it means to be in your face. And then wicked spirit speaks of the world system, the environment, and the atmosphere. The devils of hell, these demonic forces, a third of the angels that fell, they are an organized force. How many of you know we have started a security in this nation against the Taliban? Well, how many of you know the church has an enemy that is better organized, been around for thousands of years, and they're not going nowhere until they're thrown to the bottomless pit? And that's the hordes of the demons of hell. And Paul is trying to give us some things, and that's why I want to get into this word about wrestling. And the word wrestling speaks about different things, but the first thing it speaks about, there was three contests for the best of the best. And the first contest was known as boxing. And this, this is a picture I want to show you right here. This is that word pros in your face. Do you remember when Mr. T told Rocky? Dead meat. Anyway, that's, I want you to get a picture. The enemy's not in China, India, or Africa. The enemy's right here. And he's blaspheming the name and the blood and the word and you. He's speaking curses. He's telling you you can't and you, you, you've been, you've been, you, haven't, you can't be forgiven any more than you already have. And there's no hope and no future. And he's in your face. He's just speaking these things. But this is the picture I want you to see. This is more like it. Alien versus predator. Man, anyway, I want you to, this is what that word wrestle means. The enemy isn't on the other side hollering at you. You loser. No, he's right there in his face, in your face. And he's telling you, I dare you to speak back to me. You know you don't believe in the power of that name. You know I can kill you. You know prayer doesn't change anything. 
You know I have the keys. And he's cursing you and he's telling you you can't win. He's telling you defeat. He's right in your face. He wants to see if you're going to give in or you're going to fight him. And there was three different types of wrestling. The first one was boxing. And uh, you can look all this up on the web and in Wikipedia. You could read it in theology books and all that. They would put leather bands all the way up to below their elbows and they would put thick leather straps on their, on their knuckles but they would even sharpen nails to make it to the sharpness of, of a blade of a knife and there were stories of men losing their ears and noses and they would this first they would fight to the death in this boxing and it wasn't a regular ring it was just a circle and listen to this there was no after five minutes to take a break or after five uh, seconds, there wasn't no break. There was no ending. Once you got in, you got in there and you fought to the death. And this was the first one. And the last one standing would now go to the wrestling match. And in the wrestling match, everything was permitted. Gouging the eyes out, uh, jumping behind them and not holding their necks, but breaking their necks, breaking their backs. All these things were a fight to the death. And if you made it past the boxing and the wrestling, you would go to the Pacraton, which is that word I have up there, and you can look it up on the web. And when I looked it up, there's 17 pages. And they have pot pictures of pottery where they show all the moves that they were doing. And, and it was just like cage fighting today. It was elbows, it was knees, it was chokeholds, it was punching, it was kicking. There was no rules at all. In fact, this is one of the things too about this place where all the winners would get together was it was no featherweights, no lightweights, no heavyweights. The, they were chosen and if you were five foot tall and they gave you a six foot tall man, you had to fight him. If he weighed 300 pounds and you were 160 pounds, you had to fight him. There was no weights. There was no time limits. It was a fight to the death. It was a fight for survival. And these are the words Paul's talking about. And they were all very into it. They knew what Paul was saying. And this is what Paul was saying. You see, uh, the Spartans invented all this wrestling, all these jujitsu moves and everything else. And it, it talked about the Spartans were not allowed in these games because they used Alexander the Great would take some of these wrestlers into his army to conquer the world. I mean, it was a death-to-death -death fight. And that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about. And I thought about this when you watch K fighting the thing they want to do is they want to knock their opponent down whether they want to cook kick them they hit them whatever and when they have them down they want to put their knees on their on their um, um, shoulders and what do they start doing just pounding and it just looks so unmerciful and then sometimes the referee tries to get there they push the referee away and even though the guy may already be knocked out sometimes they just steal and I heard one this week on TV he says if I wouldn't let him go out of the chokehold I would have killed him well, I want you to see that that word wrestling, and you may say, that's pretty gross, pastor. That's pretty wild. Listen, Paul is trying to freak us out. He's trying to tell us that that devil you want to ignore, that devil that you think's already conquered and he's not going to bother you, that you'll never fall be, uh, with these e sins that so easily beset us, the little thoughts you have about a little bit of gambling here and there won't get me hooked. The little thought about, you know, I got married, you know, and, you know, you know I, I, I'm, I'm not going to fall into adultery. You know, I can look at a little bit of thing on the internet and it's not going to bother me. You know, I could have a little bit of that and it's not going to bother me. I could eat a little bit of that and it's not going to bother me. And what you don't realize is that enemy is right there in your face. And he, he's right there. And he says, keep on talking that way. And he is out to steal, to kill, and destroy. And Paul is telling us, I'm using these six words to try to put an emphasis that you do not want to play with the enemy. And you don't want to see how far you can stand because this enemy has years of being tactic warriors. And there's more than one of them. There's an army of them and they're against you. 
I'm not trying to scare you, but I want to equip you. Thank God greater is he that's in us than he's in the world. But the thing we got to realize and understand that he is out to kill you. One of the things Paul says, for our, our, our wrestle is not with flesh and blood. Or in other words, your battle is really not because you're low on finances. Your battle is really not your husband and your wife. That's not your battle. There's spirits behind it. That's your battle. You keep saying, boy, I wish I could make more money. Did you ever go and fight against the spirit of poverty? My family had a spirit of poverty even when my dad died. And I could just go, oh, God, I'll just say you're going to bless me one day and we're going to get out of all this debt and all this. Or I could say I, buy, I break the curse of poverty off my life and I command to be broken off for me and my boys and my wife and I declare the blessings of God over my household in the powerful name of Jesus. Devil, you're not going to break us down where they head and not the tail. We receive the blessings of Abraham. They are mine and I am not going to submit to the spirit of poverty anymore. I'm going to submit to the victory that Jesus gave me through his death and burial and resurrection established in the blood and the covenant of the great I am. It's a battle. So since we understand that, my wife doesn't come up and say, Honey, why can't you make more money? She's in the warfare with me. We buy the spirit of debt and the brokenness in Jesus' name. Thank God she don't get mad at me as much as she used to. She goes hiding and she binds the devils out of me. We're, our problem is not flesh and blood and the natural. There are demonic forces in our face warring against what God wants for us and trying to bring us down with the temptation. So we see here we are in a battle and it's a fight to the death. And you can look up these different things and you can see all the stuff that they used to do and it was a battle to where you could not show any weakness and you're not, being, you're not going to be disqualified. Anything's possible. And they talk about this one guy, his teeth got knocked out but he couldn't show it so he had to keep his broken teeth in his mouth till he beat the other guy up and then he won then he spit his teeth out but he could not quit he could not say oh I need a break no it was a fight listen sometimes you're going to have to get as determined to fight the devil as he's determined to fight you sometimes you got to get as determined to, to, to claim the promises of God as he is cursing you we say these little prayers sometimes we expect him to help but sometimes you just got to get in his face and say devil you bring it on Satan I'm covered with the armor of God and the blood of Jesus. And I'm not fearful of you because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. In fact, he stepped on your neck and my foot was in Christ stepping on your neck. I declare that my Jesus is the champion and the head and the king and the keys and the authority and the dominion has been given unto me. And I'm not fearful of you, Satan, but I am not ignorant either to say that I am standing in my own strength. I am standing in the strength by the grace of God. That he has equipped me with. For I cannot stand. My flesh cannot stand against temptation. My mind cannot withstand the thoughts that bombard. But oh, I've got a spirit of God living on the side of me. That's able to help us stand. But there is a war and it's to be taken seriously. They have weapons. And you see in these cage fighting and you see these warriors... Six knockouts, three uh, D whatever decisions, one loss. 
Well, I tell you what, the, the Satan, the devil, and his demons. If you would see Satan's fighting record, he's had a lot of losses. Oh, but if you would see the wins, Judas. Paul talked about those who defected him and left him and went to serve Satan. He's had a lot of wins and he's won a lot of good men. Samson was one of the strongest judges, supernaturally strengthened by the power of God. But a woman named Delilah brought him down. Woe to him who thinks he stands. So all of these are warning that the enemy we're fighting, he's got a lot of knockouts. And I'm not praising him. I'm not praising him. I praise the name of Jesus. But Paul is telling us, you're in a real fight and the one you're fighting against has a lot of practice and he has a well-organized army. And just sleeping and just playing tiptoes through the tulips is not going to get you through life. It's going to take some prayer. And it's going to take some fasting. And you're going to have to go to church and you're going to have to equip, be equipped to fight this enemy that's after you tooth and nail. He's after your children. He's after your marriage. He's after your finances. He's after your church. He's after your state. He's after your nation. So we see here that Paul's talking about this eye-to-eye contact with the enemy. And Paul is saying, don't be so focused on the physical. There's a spiritual enemy. And he says it here in 1 Peter 5, 8, once again, be sober, be vigilant, get on guard, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. He's after your faith. He's after your purity. He's after your heart. He's after your life. Now I want to show you something here in Matthew chapter 4 verse 1. I pray this be an encouragement to you. It says, then Jesus, after he was baptized, then Jesus was led by the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now I want to share something with you because you may be feeling like, oh, I'm such a failure. I've messed up so many times in my life. I want to share something with you. Being tempted doesn't mean you're an evil person. So many people say, you know, I don't even want to go to church because I face all this temptation. Hey, you're in good company. We all face temptation. Being tempted doesn't mean you're a sinner. We're not a sinner till we give in to the temptation. And thank God for the blood that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. But being tempted doesn't mean you're an evil person. Jesus was tempted. But then I want to go back to my first point. But what was so great about our Jesus is that when he was tempted, he saw that there was more at stake than just his temptation. Jesus saw his future was at stake if he would have jumped off the temple, turned the stones into bread, or if he would have bowed down before Satan. There was more at stake than than just what he needed. His future was at stake. The purpose he came was at stake. But guess what else? Listen to me. You and I, our redemption and our salvation was at stake right there at that temptation. And I believe that when Jesus was being tempted and he had went 40 days with no food and water and he was hungry and bread sounded pretty good. I imagine he could almost smell bread at that moment and the kingdoms of this world pretty looked pretty good and he knew he could jump off the angels. 10,000 angels would have been there to catch him. He knew all this to be true but yet he knew that Satan was twisting this because he could look into the future and he could see you and he could see that if I mess up now, there's no hope for them. Our future was at stake at that one temptation, that two temptation, that three temptation. Our, us having eternity was at stake at his temptation that he was led into. 
Our future and eternity was at stake with his temptation. And he knew, I cannot fail because not only do I want to fail my father, but I don't want to fail you, every one of you sitting here right now. And when we face temptation, we have to be like Christ. If I mess up, I'm not just messing up my life. I'm messing up my children's, my grandchildren's, and my great-grandchildren's. I'm doing something to forfeit what they're called to be. I'm messing up my future. I'm messing up their future. I may be known for a lot of good things, but I'll be known for the wrong that I've done. And so I've got to see the big picture when I'm being tempted that whatever it is, it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. The one fruit, when there's the, two, the 2,000, it's not worth it. It doesn't matter how shiny it is, no matter how pretty it is, no matter how good it smells, no matter how good it tastes, no matter what it makes me feel like, it's sin and it's sin and the wages of sin is death. And so there's some things here we're seeing today. And, and a lot of times we, we, we are the best one for making excuses and, and thinking to ourselves that how many of you know we can talk and think ourselves into anything? And that's where that temptation comes and goes, you know that there's nothing, you know, everybody does it and they get in away with it so you can get away with it too. And if you keep thinking about, well, you know what, that's right. Then your conscience starts getting seared. And then you start looking for ways to get to it, to have it, to make it. Because, you know, after all, everybody else is getting away with it. Why can't I? But Jesus was looking for the ones who don't want to get away with it. David crying out, God, it's me that's in sin. I've done wrong. Return unto me the joy of my salvation. We're not in this walk of grace to use grace as a sin to license and do whatever we want to. But we've got to understand we can't conquer sin unless we see the real, real picture of temptation here. That we're going to be tempted. We can't stop the thoughts from coming in our head. But we can stop ourselves from thinking ourselves into the sin. Amen. Amen. We can think many times the best, the best way to go, oh, that sounds good. When my wife and I were first missionaries, we went to Central America. We worked with this missionary. And when we got down there, it was tax time. And he told me, he said, Russ, he says, you're a missionary. You don't have to pay taxes. Boy, that sounded good. So my wife and I quit paying taxes for a little while because I took his word for it. Well, he ended up in jail. Yeah, he ended up in jail. And I remember I went to H-E-B, uh, H&R Block in Villeplatte, and I went up to him, to, and, and you know, I had, did, had to do something for when I had worked uh, the year before. And uh, the man looked at me and says, you, you don't, what, you don't think you have to pay taxes? I said, no, I'm a missionary. I don't have to pay my taxes. He said, who told you that? I said, the missionary down in the jungle of Central America. <laughs> Who's in jail? He wasn't in jail then, but he ended up in jail. But you know, yeah, it sounded so good. And people can tell you things to, oh, that sounds so good. And what's wrong with a little lie? Well, I wanted to show you. I knew you'd say that, so I wanted to show you here. In Proverbs 12, 22, God can't stomach liars. He can't stomach them. He said he'd throw you up in Revelation. I believe it's the liars he's going to throw up first. Everybody throws up first. Liar, liar, liar. He can't stand the liars. Why? Because they remind him of Satan, the father of all lies. And he says, I can't stomach liars, but I love the company of those who keep my word. 
Keep their word. Thank you, babe. Oh, we could do a little bit of sin. There's a lot of people got away from King James and got to Clinton translation. Oral sex is not sex. Young people, you listen to me. If you touch it, it's sin. If they touch you, it's sin. If they touch you, cut them. That boy's on a date with you, cut him. Cut him. Come on, bone, quick, quick, cut him. Gouge your eyes out. Get into that fight there. I wrestle against flesh and blood. I do like I did one time. Just start speaking the name of Jesus in bondage. You spirit of lust, you come out of her in the name of Jesus. Oh, she backed away, I promise you. She did. Never went out with me again. Kmart in Alexandria. I promise before God. I, I, I won't tell you what her name was, but she went crazy. And I just started rebuking her in the name of Jesus. She backed away, dog. I bind you in the name of Jesus. Well, I thought I was something. Then I met Cindy, and then she had to start binding the devil out of me. I bind you in a... Until it's legal, until I got a ring on it. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. It's just, we're, we're practicing. I'm proving my love. You're sinning. And you'll lose your peace and you'll lose your joy. And you won't better look your mom and dad in the eye. You come to church and you won't better look other people in the eye. You won't want to worship. You won't want to read. You won't want to pray. You want to be around the uh, world more because you're uncomfortable around Christians. Job says, I make a covenant with my eyes not to look upon that which is unholy. The temptation's there more now than ever. But the devil knows his time is short. And he's here more openly, more ugly. Children are going to lunchrooms and shooting other children in the head. He knows his time is short. As it was in the days of Noah, violence and wickedness. If you go read the account, it was violence and wickedness. It was repeated over and over again. And for us to just always just have a, teach our kids the, the, the basics and that's enough. That is not enough. Not with the type of enemy we're fighting. Our soldiers are sent to, to Fort Polk to experience what it's like in those, those countries where the Taliban are ruling and how to fight them in their own territory. Well, the Word of God in church is a place to teach us how to fight. Praise God to win. And we're not giving up. Can I hear an amen? amen? There's a lot of things at stake when we're hearing the enemy and we're being enticed and we're being tempted. You need to think, my family's at stake. My church is at stake. My reputation, my honor, my self-esteem my job, my children, it's at stake. I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's at stake. Whatever I'm looking at, whatever's tempting me, I'm not a bad person because I'm being tempted. It's only bad when I give in to the temptation. 
and you know, just talking to your mind and just saying, I don't want to do that no more. There's not enough willpower. To, I'm telling you, church, listen, I promise you, we're going to do everything we can to help each other out. You can have all the scriptures written on a piece of paper and you can have them memorized and, and you can fight, but there's not enough willpower to overcome some of the things we face. And I know I'm talking to some people here. There's not enough willpower to say, I'm never doing that again. We say that every time we take communion and by that night, we're already doing it again. It's not just a matter of willpower. It's not just a matter of mind over matter. It's not enough many times for us just to, to speak the word. If, we could, if it was just speaking the word, none of us would be sinning. But we want to get to some roots. We want to find some answers for our lives. And we want to be able to get some answers so that we can conquer. And we can go to a whole nother level. And we can have a resistance that is able to stand against the enemy. And bring glory to the name of Jesus the Christ. And you will be able to. You're going to be able to conquer the enemy. In areas you've never conquered in a long time. You're going to feel better about yourself and you're going to have a more deeper inner peace in your life because you are going to be able to walk where you've never walked before. You're going to be risen with Christ in a new level of living. You're going to wrestle the enemy and you're going to bring the enemy down and you're going to be on top of him, blessed be the name of Jesus, pounding him to the ground. Jesus' name, I bruise your head. Then you'll be jumping on those that are jumping on your family. To see that there is victory in Jesus Christ. So I want to invite you to stand please. Wrestle. I have to stand for my faith. As you bow your head and close your eyes. I want to pray with you. Father I praise you right now that. Our faith is established in you. And we're not going to allow the enemy to steal our faith. Right now where you are, call out to Jesus. Right now where you are, you just call out to the Father. Jesus. Father, I cry out to you in the name of Jesus. And just open your heart. You don't have to say anything for other people to hear. Just open your heart. I'm crying out to you now. It's nobody business. This is between you and the Father. Right now, you get face to face with God. You just get serious right now. And you just, I cry out to you, Jesus. I thank you that you have saved me to free me from the man I used to be and from the things that bring me down and the things that hold me back. Think that you have washed me in your blood and called me by my name to set me on a road of success, not a road of failure. And devil, you will not convince me that this is just who I am and this is who I'm going to be. I will not listen to your lies that if I just take one bite, I'll see more truth of the matter is when I take that bite I see the reality of what was at stake and now I see like Adam and Eve has been lost but thank you Father that Lord you're not only the God who hears us when we cry out and repent you're the God who restores what's been broken and taken and Father we're here today we're here today as lives that have been broken torn apart wounded hurt discouraged maimed the enemy has torn so many things away from us. Our heart has been cut into so many pieces. There's so many of our areas of our lives that we don't even want to look at anymore. But we come to you today, Father, in Jesus' name. That you give us the grace and the strength and the wisdom that we were able to make the change we were able to make. But Lord, with the redemption, 
with the restoration, there's also, Lord, the receptivity. Humble yourselves before God. Receive what He is saying. Open our lives that He can set us on that highway, that road to success. Help us, Father, to change in the areas that we need to change in. Right now where you are, there's times that we hear the voice of the Father speaking to us and He's telling us of things that just aren't right. They're just not right. It may not be some big sin or something in your life. It may just be an attitude or a feeling or a word or something we've done that He's just saying, that's just not right. That doesn't please me. I want you to war against that. I want to help you walk through that. Just cry out to Jesus. If there's someone here today and you say, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and if I die right now, I don't know if I'd go to heaven or hell. I'm not asking you what church you belong to. I'm not asking you what church you grew up in. I'm not asking you what you believe. I'm just asking you, if you die right now, where would you spend eternity? And if you'd like to be sure, if you'd like to know, then I want you to raise your hand and say, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Is there anyone else? Raise your hand real high so we can see. I want to get my life right with Christ right now. Anyone else? Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Every one of us, we need Him. We need Him. I see people, I see them in their seats. They're crying. I see the Holy Spirit's working on you. That's what we're in church for. We're not perfect. None of us are. I see people all across here. They're, they're, they're weeping before God right now. He said, we started off there in the scripture. He says, be sorrowful and weep over your sins. I see that happening right now. And it's not that you're a bad person, but without Christ, there is no hope. If you're here today and you need Jesus, please raise your hand right there where you are. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Sir, would you come and let me pray with you? It would be an honor. And if that's, and, and the lady next to you, she could come with you. Would you come and let me pray with you? You don't have to come alone. Come and stand with me up here. I want to pray with you. Holy Spirit's all over you. Ask the believers, please bow your head and close your eyes. Everyone. No one looking around. No one looking around. Sir, I saw, I saw you had your hand up for so long and your wife right there with you. Would you come and let me pray with you, please? Chris, just keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. This is, this is a time of a change and a turnaround. no hopeless there's no one that, that Lord you cannot reach down and save things going to change thank you for coming down and receive Jesus today you ready for a change are you saved 
Bible says, with our heart we believe and with our mouth we confess and it's made into salvation. I want you to repeat out loud this prayer and I want you to believe that the Father hears you. It's His desire to save you. It's His desire to free you. It's His desire to rescue you. So right there where you are, pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, have mercy on me. Forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart and be my Lord and my Savior. Save me and rescue me from this life. And this day forward, give me a new life and help me to experience you in a new way. Thank you, Father, for forgiving me and saving me. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise. What's your name? Alan. God bless you, sir. Y'all keep coming. You hear? God bless you. Have y'all been here before? You have. It's been a while. Well, you're back. Hi, Alan. Y'all have children? You have a daughter? The Lord bless both of you. Y'all want to be? Well, we can do that. Don't pass out. <laughs> God bless you. You're my brother, and I'm proud to call you my brother. From this day forward, you're a new person. We bless you. God bless you. They're going to take your name and address, and thank you so much. Y'all keep coming. God bless you, Jackie. Jackie and Alan. Let's give the Lord a hand. Praise God. Take that, devil. Glory. Listen, the Bible says the angels rejoice when one is saved. But can you imagine what the devils do when one is saved? They're screaming. They're screeching. When they say the name of Jesus, it's like rubbing your fingernails on a blackboard. They can't stand it because they lost someone who's now belonged to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Praise the name of Jesus. Listen, we love you and we bless you. We're standing for your victory. We're standing for your breakthrough. We're standing for the life you've always desired to have. And you're going to have it. You're going to see it. He says, I desire that you have life to the fullest. The enemy may desire to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And that's the promise of our Father who gave His Son that you may live. We love you. We bless you. Brother Jake's going to make some announcements. Thank you for being here. Thank you for coming to us worshiping together. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.